3: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull working somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America. I've been one of my friends who's trying to make you some money. My job is entertainment, educate and teach you, so call me at one 800 743 or tweet me at Jim Kramer. You know, there's a new dynamic going on in this market. It's the fundamentals versus the fundamentals. Today, the fundamentals won. The score wasn't even close. Dow gaining 187 points. This will be jumping 1.1. 0.01%. Nasdaq pulled only 1.43%. Now, when I say fundamentals, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the likes of how a company like Apple is doing. Apple should put a stunning quarter, amazing demand for iPhones, AirPods, watches, credit cards, and a variety of services. More on that later. But let's start by talking about the best fear buster I've seen so far in earnings. Let's start by talking about Dow Stock United Technologies. Which reported a fantastic set of numbers despite an incredibly challenging environment. Can you imagine think about this? Think about what U is up against. They have Boeing as a major customer, Boeing, whose top plane won't fly. It's costing United Technologies $100 hundred million a month, while the max is mothballed. Meanwhile, China's the most important market for the sprawling Otis elevator business, a market that feels like it's vanished overnight thanks to the coronavirus. They're a defense contractor. defense budget's barely growing at all. Worst of all, the global economy's slowing with little sign of green shoots. Anywhere. And what happens? This company puts up some of the best numbers I've ever seen. CEO and straight shooter Greg Hayes delivered a masterful quarter. No complaints about Boeing or China. Uh, United Technologies' pending merger with Raytheon sues any worries about the defense budget because they're a consolidator. Other than the carrier climate control division, tad disappointing, every single line was up, up and away. Why did this matter? Because United Technologies checks off all of the fear of mental boxes. It's exactly the kind of business you'd be most worried about and should be most worried about right right here. And yet they still manage to triumph. It was a remarkable accomplishment, really helped lead the market today. Because remember, Apple reported after the close, not during the market. When you remember that the fear are practically off the charts and they're, and they're raging here. And it's why I want to unpack them and double click them. Those are two terms I keep hearing on conference calls that I find them very repulsive. Unpack, double. Let me. Can I double click back on that? Can I double click on that? I'm one of these people, idiots. Anyway, the first fear mental is the coronavirus panic. And what will this thing do to air travel? What's the damage for a major aerospace supplier? I mean, don't you think they're most at risk? That's why United Technology is so important. But think about what he said. At the moment, this outbreak is the biggest fear out there. But when he was asked about it on the call, here's how he responded. We went back and took a look at 2003 and the impact of the SARS virus, he continues. As you'll recall, air traffic slowed down significantly for about three months. And uh, really, there was a six-month impact overall in the aftermarket. But, Hayes says, this won't be another SARS. Listen to this. I would say there are two major differences today. One is the airlines are a lot healthier than they were in 2003. You were coming off 9-11, and airline bankruptcy, and nobody had any money. The fact is, air traffic remains pretty strong, and there will be a blip in Asia this quarter as a result of this. End quote. A blip. Take that, fear He wasn't done. The second thing is the flu. happens every year. We went back and we were looking on the last full flu season. We had 960,000 people hospitalized with the flu. 80,000 people passed away. So as we think about this, you got to keep it in perspective. It's a big deal, obviously, until they get it contained. But the Chinese government, I think, is doing a much better job today in terms of being proactive in containing this. End quote. See, I just like great business people who tell it like it is. Put everything in perspective. Stop trying to scare people. This guy, I know this guy. He's, you know, he's not a bs I mean, he's out there saying stuff that you could say he didn't need to say, but he's looked at this stuff. He's the real deal. What a breath of fresh air. Some people are so invested in the fear mental narrative that they'll refuse to acknowledge this perspective. But I think Hayes makes a lot of sense. Hell, he's no Pollyanna, believe me. He's just a reasonable person. The second major fear of mental the fallout from Boeing's grounded at 737 MAX. I mean, isn't that supposed to be rippling and destroying the economy? Well, certainly should be destroying United Technologies, right? Big customer. How can United Technologies shrug this one off when Boeing's, well, they're, they're Boeing's top suppliers. Simple because they've designed a popular jet engine called the geared turbofan, the GTF. And there's so much demand for this thing from so many aerospace companies that the max issue likely won't even dent the numbers much. This is just good old-fashioned American engineering. Saves a lot of gasoline, by the way. Jet fuel, they call it. Hayes thinks it will be resolved in three months. Boeing. As he explained in the call, quote, we've got 10,000 GTF engines in backlog. That's incredible, end quote. Then he adds, look, we've got about a 40% share of the A320, higher share in the A321 than on the a 3219 and 320. In other words, basically, Airbus will gladly take anything United Technologies wants. Isn't it great to have a product that everybody wants? Plus, there's the huge transformation coming up. Companies merging with Raytheon to create an aerospace and defense powerhouse that's spinning off its elevator and climate control divisions as separate businesses. In other words, Hayes wasn't sitting around staying beholden to one company or one customer. Diversification is the only free business lunch, too. Oh, and as for worries about Washington, is Hayes thinking about this impeachment thing that's on the front page every day? Hey, I hate like him or like them? It's on the front page every day. Not if you go through the quarter or talk to the guy, which brings us to the next fear mental. Some people are worried about what will happen if President Trump is found guilty and removed from office. I don't know what universe they're living in. Regardless of how you feel about the Ukraine thing, the GOP-controlled Senate would have to be out of their minds to convict. Any Republican who breaks ranks is committing political suicide. The outcome is what I call a foregone conclusion with or without Bolton. That's good for Wall Street. I know you may hate it. It's good. Right, anyway, the fundamentalists don't want to believe that. They don't want to believe any of this. They want me to come out here in a surgical mask. They want me to dab my eyelids with Clorox wipes, which I suggest you do not do, and stop shaking hands with my guests, instead fist bumping and praying, you know, whatever. Yeah, and I carry it around. I carry it around. You should carry it around. Whatever. I mean, it's good to carry around, isn't it? Oh, jeez, the buttons. But here in this case, all I'm doing is stopping myself. Oh, never mind. He wiped that off. Here's a good thing to spray. This guy's still in play lately. All right, the big question. Can Hayes' optimism withstand a sudden increase in the coronavirus body count or maybe the death of American, no laughing matter, who never visited Wuhan? Honestly, that's what I'm not sure about. But then let's talk about another company that's doing it, but it's a consumer company, so it can't be as good as what Hayes did. I'm talking about Apple. They had fabulous earnings report after the close. It's any guide, the fundamentals could give us another boost tomorrow and the fear be knocked to the canvas again. I was worried that Apple wouldn't be able to give us enough of an upside surprise to propel the stock higher because it had already run so much. Well, maybe I should have had even more faith in the company that I always do. It reported a monster top and bottom line beat, fueled by phenomenal iPhone and AirPod sales, and will continue growth from their service revenue stream, of course, from the watch, the Apple, the, uh, the the TV. I mean, it's not a hobby, by the way. Even better, management gave very bullish guidance because Apple is a consumer product company, not an enterprise product like Boeing. There had been some hand about China. It caused a widening of the forecast range, but those were darn good numbers. Yes, they have to close the store, to. I mean, all that stuff. But uh, what's the conclusion? Own it, don't trade it. This stuff burns my hands. Starbucks, on the other hand, couldn't give an outlook on China because of the coronavirus. Now, I got to press CEO Kevin Johnson when we interview him tomorrow morning on Squawk in the Street. I think if he weren't hamstrung by having to sell, uh, to peop- having to sell their product directly to people instead of, say, airlines, well, like Hayes does, the stock would be flying. And of course, we are going to press him about all of your concerns that the Airport Starbucks aren't nearly as good as the store-owned. No more messing around. It's what everybody says. The customer is right. By the way, the, um, as we talk here, you know, you've got to understand that, that Cook is addressing the mitigation of product production losses. Again, it's not as clean a story as United Technologies. Bottom line, though, Greg Hayes' soothing, common-sense words helped reverse the prevailing negative trend this morning. He also gave other executives a roadmap for how to defeat the fear of mentalists. Oh, and Apple's numbers after the close, they sure didn't hurt either. Let's go to Alex in Ohio. Alex. This is yeah. my son, Alex, and he has a question for you. Sure, Alex. What's up, Hi, man? Alex, how old are you? Alex, how old are you? I'm 14. There you go. I mean, I thought that the, the only people who invest in stocks are 57 and they don't like anything. So go ahead. Uh, well, I'm involved in our stock market game at St. Francis the Sales High School in Columbus. All right, well, let's and crush them. Let's crush them. What do we got? Let's get this done. Okay, I'm thinking of buying the Home Depot because they've been on the rise for about a month and were recently recognized for their climate efforts. What do you think? Listen, kid, you got what I call is horse sex. Do you see those housing numbers? They're unbelievable. That's exactly where you need to be is HD. And by the way, it's, it's uh, North American. So right now, we don't have to worry that much uh, about what's going on. Although, if I, you know, okay, I got into someone's pointing at, look at this, someone whose birthday is today, so I got to pay attention to her. Phil in New Jersey, Phil! Hey, Booyah, Jim, how are you? Phil, I couldn't be better, although my hands are sore from Purell. What's up?
4: <laughs> I hear you. It's, it's not fun, but yeah, I just want to, first off, just thank you for all the money you made me throughout the years, the tips, and, you know, I'm coming to you tonight for some more guidance, because I need uh, your help. Well, thank you of- for
3: those kind words. We've been doing the show for a little bit now, so it's good.
4: I wish you were on seven days a week, because I really do miss you on the weekend. They go through I, a, I say you know, that to my
3: wife, I want to be on seven days a week. She tells me to move out. What's up?
4: I watch it. Sorry, you have room, I, I, I have room in my house. You can come stay with me. Okay. But anyways, um, I bought a state water back about a month or two ago at like 193. The yeah. stock stored up, and then with the virus and everything coming out, I got downgraded, and... I sold some shares yesterday, and I still have a little bit left, but I'm just trying to figure out... No, I don't I want
3: you to hold on the rest. I put this in the bullpen for my travel trust, for axiolensplus.com. Uh, I'm going to tell club members, look, this is the one, the moment you get the all clear, and there's never really a full all clear, but we did a lot of work on what happened with the most uh, with Ebola. There will come a day of Max Payne, and I don't think it was yesterday, frankly, where we'll be able to buy some Estee water. I didn't even mention 3M. And that was just a bad quarter. They were actually hostage to everything. Okay, the fundamentals today—they defeated, they defeated the fearmentals. Fundamentals, fearmentals. Oh, by the way, thank you, Greg Hayes. And Greg, you can, you can always come on, even if we have to travel to one of your places, which I'd love to do. Regina Gilgan, would you please let me leave this this office of mine and get to a factory of Greg Hayes's? Oh man, thank you. On oh, man, money tonight. I'm drafting not one. But two rounds of players for the big game on Sunday. Find out who I'm picking for an underutilized position. Let my mad money football championship improve your financial reality. Then, everyone on a sports team, now could be your chance as the Madison Square Garden Company prepares to split. But which of New York's biggest crown jewels should you choose? The Rangers or the Knicks? I'm giving my take. And electronic metal record, medical records company Epic is urging hospitals to impose rules that make it easier to share medical info and maybe save lives. I'm talking to one CEO who says that it's that she, is the CEO, is epically wrong. Stay with me.
1: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Cramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com
0: Visibility at indeed.com/slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire, you need Indeed.
3: With the big game right around the corner, I'm spending all week comparing players from the Chiefs, my favorite team, Cannley, and the Niners to some of our favorite stocks because I love football and I think it's just a great analogy for the market because you know I'm always trying to get you involved. Tonight we're talking running backs. The thing about this position is it used to be a lot more important than it is now. Uh, just like the market, football's always changing. In recent years, teams have been putting a lot more emphasis on their passing game, particularly the Chiefs, by the way, rather than running the ball down the field. As a result, running backs get fewer opportunities to make big plays. For those of you who play fantasy football, which I love and even do a TV show called, well bull market fantasy, we're in hiatus right now. Quarterbacks and wide receivers are being drafted earlier and earlier. There are a few star running backs, and, and really, what we call RBC, running back by committee, RBBC. Those are the worst, okay? That's where a group of lesser-known players share the workload throughout the game. When you see running back by committee, you're talking about not doing well if you pick one of those players from fantasy. Now, consider the diminished role of the, of the running back in the NFL today. Well, you know what that reminds me of? Reminds me of the down-and-out auto industry. I mean, this is a group that used to be essential to the economy, but lately it's become one of the ugliest corners of the market. Same with all of its cushions, just ask 3M. Despite a fabulous one-year expansion for the economy, the old-school auto stocks have been hammered. It pains me to say this, but at this point, Ford and General Motors trade like bond market equivalents. They pay you big dividends, and that's about it. But who knows if Ford's payout is even safe or if it's about to be carted off the field. However, when you find a good enough player with a new strategy, they can buck the trend. When it comes to the NFL, that player in San Francisco is Raheem Mostert. He's a monster. He's a journeyman, though. He just turned star and just had a breakout season, followed by a truly incredible performance in the playoffs. Mostert's Wall Street equivalent, Tesla! That's right, it's a stock that exploded higher over the past few months. People finally realized the scale of the opportunity is here. I mean, the parallels between Raheem and Tesla are extraordinary. Raheem Mostert had a a good, but not a remarkable college career. He went undrafted in 2015, and his first few seasons were nothing to write home about as he bounced between five different teams. In 2017, he rejoined the Niners, and he finally started seeing some legitimate playtime, even if his production wasn't quite there yet. By 2018, he was putting up solid numbers, and this past year, Raheem, boy, you could have stolen him in the draft. He has done so well now. Mostert really broke out, frankly, just nine days ago. When the Niners took the Packers in the NFC uh, Championship, after his fellow running back, Tevin Coleman, went down with a separated shoulder, the honest fellow Mostert to, carry the, Mostert to carry the offense. And boy, did he deliver. Over the course of the game, Mostert ended up carrying the ball 29 times, a total of 220 yards, four touchdowns, setting multiple postseason records along the way. It was stunning. Cometh the hour, cometh the man. For me, that is totally reminiscent of Tesla, because not just because Moster's playing as electric. Sorry, I couldn't. I had to do that. Here's a company that had been plagued by skeptics for years. The stock felt like it was in a rut, like Raheem. A lot of people didn't believe CEO Elon Musk could really deliver, but those skeptics have turned into believers practically overnight. What happened? Tesla reported a magnificent quarter late October that was the stock market equivalent of Raheem Mostert's NFC championship performance. Specifically, the company delivered a surprise profit, and the stock hasn't looked back since. You know, it's now nearly 125% in a little over three months, and I still like it. And I still like him, even though I think his opponent team is better. You know I'm a believer in Tesla. Now that the skeptics have been forced to eat crow, Elon Musk can raise as much money as he needs, if he even needs it. He just built a huge new factory in China in record time. He's got another one coming near Berlin. They just removed seven unexploded bombs from where he's putting it up from World War II. This guy's got creativity. And after taking a test drive of the Model X, I can tell you that it is the real thing. No, it wasn't just the drive that made me like it. It was the balance sheet. Uh, It was the maneuverability. It was the Take over the world aspect, and it was the no longer tweet aspect. Just just like most of Tesla's spectacular performance has silenced his critics, and the results have been fabulous for the shareholders. These days, though, it's surprising to see a running back carry the whole offense like that. Most teams are much more focused on passing, and that's doubly true for Kansas City. Rather than relying on star players, the Chiefs have one of those running back by committee setups that I can't stand, primarily consisting of four players like this guy, Damian Williams. They, uh, these guys don't get many chances to shine because Kansas City's whole strategy is built around passing the ball and, of course, having the uh, quarterback we named yesterday, Mahomes, run it. In short, the Kansas City running back committee, by committee is the perfect example of what the position mostly looks like these days. Very few teams have a single dynamic back like San Francisco. had with Mostert last week. That's a big change from even a few years ago when running backs were still arguably the most important day-to-day players on the field. And that's why I keep thinking that this transition reminds me of what used to be the case with the automakers, with old school Ford and GM. Those used to be great. Over the last few years, their seasonally adjusted annual sales rate has peaked. In the U.S., the auto industry has been stuck at 17 to 18 million cars for a while now. Like running backs, cars have increasingly gone out of style. Younger customers would rather use Uber or Lyft than go through the hassle of owning a car. They'll forget the insurance, the parking, or if they're going to buy one, they're happy to buy used. That's why the used car companies are doing so well. As a result, General Motors has been stuck in the 30s for seemingly forever. Ford's much worse. In 2015, this thing was trading at 16 Now it's at 8 bucks and change. That's not a stock split. At this point, the most attractive thing about the legacy automakers is that their stocks are cheap. And, and, but remember, cheap is a, a relative point. They sport big dividends. GM yielding 4.5 percent. All right. Nothing to sneeze at. Ford yielding 6.7 percent. But again, I am concerned after this took another big loss Ford. I mean, one day, am I going to wake up and see that dividend cut in half? They can't tell me. They can say. Anyway, who wins? Tesla or the aging but valuable incumbents. Deep value. Honestly, we know it's not a fair comparison, right? Earlier this month, Tesla rallied so hard that its market capitalization is now larger than Ford and GM combined as it should be, even though its sales are much smaller, much, much smaller. Tesla's a $102 billion technology company on wheels. Ford's worth $35 billion, GM's worth $48 billion. I don't want a dividend. I want growth. And no wonder, because Wall Street does love growth. Tesla's growing like crazy. Meanwhile, GM has very little growth, and Ford's actually shrinking. Doesn't it feel like Shady McCoy? I mean, he doesn't even get in. Healthy scratch. Investors pay up for growth. Nobody's paying up for stagnation. The one big objection to Tesla was the company's unprofitability. But now they're making money. In fact, they're expected to make six dollars per share this year, maybe thirteen next year. I'd be happy with five and ten though. And it's close to twenty in twenty twenty-two, I'd be happy with fifteen but it's still a t- stunning trajectory. Of course, the expectations have been flipped. Last year, when the skeptics held sway, Tesla could rally on any good news. Now the company needs to keep delivering amazing results, or else its stock will run out of juice, but just temporarily. If Tesla stumbles, the stock will sell off hard. But I believe my putty about friend Elon Musk will deliver. Given that the company reports tomorrow night, well, we'll know soon enough, and certainly before the big game. The bottom line, when it comes to running backs, Raheem Mostert has all the moment, just like his stock market equivalent, Tesla. The only question is whether they can deliver against such heightened expectations. So you better pay attention when Tesla reports tomorrow. And you know, you might want to watch the championship on Sunday too. Just a thought. Stick with crack.
2: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do.
1: John Fort sits down with NVIDIA CEO Jensen Wong and ServiceNow CEO Bill McDermott on the future of AI, live from ServiceNow's Knowledge 2024 conference in Vegas. Closing Bell Overtime, today for Eastern CNBC.
3: Oh, hey! If you're getting tired of hearing football metaphors and anticipation of the big game like I am, how about a change of pace? Forget football for the moment. Let's talk about something that's happened here and now. I want to talk about something totally different. Hockey and basketball. See, the Madison Square Garden Company, the parent of the NBA, New York Knicks, and the NHL, New York Rangers, is breaking itself into two separate publicly traded companies. But we can't afford to buy? We gonna return this after? After 15 years, can I have can I one day I own a jersey? All right, anyway, look at this. This is important. Uh, one of them gets MSG's entertainment assets, mostly arenas and concert venues. The other one gets the teams. This split's intriguing because it's creating one of the few pure plays on sports team ownership in the stock market. In recent years, we've watched from the sidelines as these franchises saw their valuation skyrocket, yet we had no direct way to invest in it. So now we're getting it. This is a long way to pure play. How do we know if it's worth buying? I get the, got the desire. I'd get the desire to own a sports team, I, or at least uh, own some shares in the team. That owns a pair of teams, even better. Uh, not all teams are created equal. I mean, the Knicks and the Rangers—they suck. <laughs> <laughs> Hold as I see them. Over the last five years, the Knicks have lost seventy percent of their games. Hmm. So far this year, they've lost seventy-two percent. Consistent. As for the Rangers, they've been awful for the last couple seasons. Although this year, they're doing a bit better, which is why I put their name on top of this dress that I'm wearing. Okay, that said, these are still valuable franchises. New York is a huge market, and they're absolutely worth owning if you can get them at the right price. That's why I'm showing you how to evaluate them, because the split's expected sometime before the end of this quarter. First, though, let me make one thing crystal clear. Even if you want a piece of these teams, you've got to wait until after the breakup to pull the trigger. I don't think it's a good idea to own Madison Square Garden going into this, split. I'm going to tell you why. Put it bluntly, MSG's entertainment business, it's been a dog. They've had some major setbacks in a pair of key growth properties in Las Vegas and London two of my favorite cities. The company planned to construct two MSG spheres filled with cutting-edge technology as high-end concert venues. Problem? MSG's Las Vegas spheres face severe cost overruns. London Project seems to be languishing in regulatory purgatory. Now, that's a lot of risk, and we don't even know if these new venues will be a success. But the sports business, even with the Knicks playing horribly, there's a legitimate case for owning this one. Whether it's actually worth buying really depends on where the stock starts trading. And here are also some unresolved issues with MSG regarding how they split the cash, the debt, and their obligations. See, it would be irresponsible for me, as if I have any ability to feel responsible in this outfit, irresponsible for me to recommend Madison Square Garden Sports spinoff until we know more. However, I want to keep this bull market thesis in in mind as the information rolls in. To put it very simply, sports team valuations have reached absurd levels, even for teams that play badly. The Knicks and the Rangers are trophy assets that could fetch billions with the right buyer. According to Forbes, the Knicks alone, they're worth more than $4 billion. And that's assuming that they keep playing like garbage. Plus, the MSG sports business also gives you, and this is really important, a gambling kicker. I'm betting that the legalization of sports betting will make these teams even more valuable. Can you imagine if there was a sports book in the lobby of Madison Square Garden? That would be enticing. I can't imagine that would be good for the household wealth in the New York metro area, but it could be very positive for the company. Final positive. MSG sports business will have real scarcity value. Right now, there are very few publicly traded sports teams, and a few of them are pure plays. Liberty, you know, most of them aren't. They're buried. Liberty Media, that owns the Atlanta Braves. But it's wrapped up with a bunch of media and real estate assets. Manchester United, British soccer team, also trades publicly, although they've listed all over the world, and the stock's been a real lousy performer. I Remember when the Boston Celtics were public? That was a good one. MSG sports division will be nice and, and straightforward. Oh, by the way, the Packers, it's, it's kind of more ceremonial. Now, I think this has the potential to become a cult stock because of the built-in fan base, like the wildly successful Ferrari, which was spun off by Fiat Chrysler about five years ago, and it's got a great fan base. On the other hand, there's one big negative here, aside from the Knicks record. I'm talking about the ownership structure. Currently, Madison Square Garden Chairman and CEO James Dolan holds 71% of the voting power via a concentrated position in the company's special super voting stock. It's like a Yunker State. And for the breakup, after the breakup, he'll still have a controlling position in the sports business. In other words, you'll be able to own part of the team, but the public shareholders won't be making any decisions here. That's a problem, because even though James Dolan is uh, arguably a good businessman, he's widely regarded as one of the worst owners in professional sports. Let me think about that. Because now that Dan Snyder changed the final office for the Redskins, no, Dolan's the worst there is. The, uh, one reason the Knicks are so bad is that Dolan's awful reputation makes it hard for them to sign marquee free agents, even though the team can afford it. And this is the greatest city on earth to play. I mean, everyone wants to focus in New York. Now the Bulls will tell you that these uh, New York franchises are so big that no amount of mismanagement can really dent their valuation as much as they try. But if you buy this stock, you're putting your money into James Dolan's hands and I can think of a lot of other places i like my hands to be. Bottom line, I think the Knicks and the Rangers could actually be worth owning as long as you can get their parent company at the right price. However, you have to be careful. I don't blame anyone for taking a pass on this one and leave it for only the most diehard fans. But then again, the diehard fans, they do exist. And they may just want to participate. For instance, the Beacon Theater, I saw Bob Dylan there. It was awful. Melissa in Illinois. Melissa.
4: Hi, just Melissa Corral from Illinois. Uh, just wondering about a stock. I wanted to know your opinion about it. Uh, AMC. I know it's been on the downtrend. No,
3: no, no. But, uh, no, 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 no. I mean, we were at the twilight of the, uh, t- of the theater idol, and I'm not going to go there. Uh, look, I want him on there, though, because I happen to like the CEO. If he could come on and just tell us why this is the bottom and how terrific it would be, I think we'd all like that. I want to go to Jim in Massachusetts, please. Jim. Austin, booyah to you, Dr. Kramer. Holy cow. Is that a great booyah or what?
1: What's going All on? All right, my man. Listen, uh, I've been in the market a long time, Jim, and I followed a few guys. Uh, Sir Richard Egan got me involved in it. I don't know if you remember him, the MC. Mm-hmm.
3: And, and then uh, Warren, and now you're the man. I'd be the so, man. I'd be the uh, man. the man. I like <laughs> being the man. It's good to be the man.
2: Yes, yes it is. It is well, good listen, to be the man. I I sense a down
1: uh downturn coming shortly. So I'm uh positioning myself defensively. Okay. And uh I'm taking your advice you know, stocks bonds uh cash and everything. I got a right. little bit of mad money left over. Okay. And uh I'm looking for a
3: stock that pays a good dividend that'll be rock solid in a downturn. Now, I, I found this store called IGT, International Gaming Technology. Yes, boy, remember that one? Okay, it's back. I got to tell you something, Jim. I am not going to give. I want you to be in the one I feel much better. People are really worried about it. Pays a monthly dividend. EPR Properties. That one, 6% in yield. I'm more uh, close to it. I think it's terrific. Uh I feel like I should be like David Portnoy when he came to my Eagles box, you know, where he had, like, the split shirt. What do I have? I have some cockamamies tape. Well, so this is like, this is one for the ages, huh? All right, listen. to me. Yeah, bad. I wouldn't let him wear a Patriots jersey in a box. So he said, how about half and half? I said, El Jefe, that'll have to do. The president. I have half and half, but El Presidente had a much better one. He's much cooler than I am, and I'm I'm certainly a, well, you can judge for yourself. The garden split is intriguing. If you're keen on owning it, make sure you get it at the right price and after the breakup. At the same time, I don't blame you for taking a pass because the teams, yes, I use that word, and I like it because I, I heard Zuckerberg use it. I also heard, like, a senator use it. They suck. Alright, much more mad money ahead, including my school with CEO who believes one of the keys to combating patient deaths in hospitals is access to data. How his view is causing a real stir in the healthcare space, and we're behind a lot of it. Then caution around the coronavirus is certainly warranted, but I'm gonna tell you why you shouldn't buy into the panic hype. An order calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. You might not know it, but America has a gigantic problem with electronic health records. There are a bunch of different companies in this industry and their software just isn't compatible. It's not an accident. It's by design. The lack of interoperability makes it harder for hospitals to switch to a competitor. It also makes these records a lot less useful. This industry is suddenly in the news because of Epic Systems. That's a privately held company that's a major player in the space. As CBC's uh, own, and she's terrific, CNBC.com's Christina Farr, reported Epic's CEO has been writing to her hospital customers to convince them to oppose some new legislation that's designed to make it easier to share medical information. Epic wants these systems to stay balkanized. Now, in response to that story, Joe Chiani, he's the founder and chairman and CEO of Massimo, that's a medical technology company that makes non-invasive monitoring systems, actually reached out to us. He thinks what Epic's doing is indefensible. I wanted to give him a chance to explain. Mr. Chiani, welcome back to Mad Money.
4: Hello, Jim. Good to be back.
3: Okay, you are ingrained inventor. You have tons of patents. You have done a lot more to be able to make it so you're safe when you're in a hospital. Why are you opposing something that could impinge on people's privacy?
4: Well, look, privacy rules were there to protect patients, not to potentially harm them. Patients should make the trade off between what's more important, privacy, or having their data available in a way that can hopefully save their lives. And that also, unfortunately, assumes that data privacy can't be kept. There's a lot of great companies that do a great job of making sure data can be transmitted in a way that keeps patients' data private and confidential.
3: Would the healthcare system not save maybe? hundreds of billions of dollars over time if we actually knew what the statistics were and had the algorithms, the Amazon Web Service data, so to speak, of everybody in our country without knowing their names.
4: Yeah, exactly. We can get data from a hospital with a random number that's assigned to a patient and only the hospital has knowledge about who that number is associated with. So while you could hack into anything, it's like saying no one should own a phone or a computer because someone could hack into it. But there is protection, and what's more important is by sharing data, patients' lives can be saved.
3: So give us some examples of patients' lives could be saved so that people don't think this is just abstract.
4: Well, we make pulse oximeters. Uh, When people are on opioids uh, using infusion pumps, these infusion pumps can sometimes administer too much opioids if we hoarded our data and said our pulse oximeter data cannot be input into the infusion pump then when the patient's overdosing and our pulse oximeter is dropping like a lead from 100 to about 80, 70, 60 that data doesn't get to the infusion pump and the infusion pump does not shut down the flow of opioids that's a real life example of why data sharing is important today
3: All right, if I am, a uh, let's say, a leader like uh, uh, Judy uh, Judy Faulkner, who uh, privately owns Epic, it would be a possibility if you had that interoperability, she believes it would compromise patients. I'd love to have her on, by the way, privacy. But at the same time, doesn't it just preserve her incumbency?
4: Well, I've learned a long time ago to not question people's motives, but I can tell you we used to be in the business of hoarding our data. But what we realized is that patients were getting harmed because we were hoarding data. There's an example right near your home. A a boy, 13-year-old, Rory Staunton. He goes to the gym like we all did, falls in the gym, gets a little scratch on his elbow. His own bacteria from his skin gets inside his bloodstream. Now he goes home, feels bad, throwing up, feeling a leg ache. They take him to his physician And for a kid his size, his heart rate was really high. They still send that kid home thinking it could be a stomach flu or something bad he ate. He gets so bad, his parents take him to the emergency department. They do blood draw. And unfortunately, his white blood cell count was really high. They still send him home. Now, a few hours later, that boy died. Now, imagine, at that time, both the blood lab machines... The patient monitors that measured the heart rate, all were interoperable, all could share data. Algorithms could have seen, look, high white blood cell count, high heart rate for a size, that could mean sepsis. And they could have treated them for sepsis, and Rory would probably be alive here with us today.
3: Do you think, Joe, that if people knew the trade-off that it might mean life or death, For them to not have any information themselves exposed personally, wouldn't they choose life?
4: Absolutely. I know I would. And you know what? I'm today running a medical technology company. But sooner or later, I'm going to be a patient. So while I'm sitting in my role as CEO of my company, I made a pledge to share my data. And so did 90 other companies over the last eight years. Unfortunately, Epic hasn't. And I have to commend uh, HHS Secretary Azar and ONC Director Don Rucker for now finally saying enough is enough. You guys have to share the data in a way that it's secure, it's safe, and it's not burdensome cost-wise.
3: Well, great. You know, I'm sorry, go ahead.
4: Well, I was just going to say, imagine Epic was making refrigerators, hospitals were apartment buildings, and patients were people in apartments uh, with their refrigerators. Now, what Epic is saying, the food you put in that refrigerator, the hospital can use it, Epic can use it, but you know what, the patient, you I'm not sure you can use it, and nobody else can use it. Now, add to that that, by the way, those refrigerators were right. paid by the public, by right. us tax holders who paid for it, and I think finally people are saying enough is enough. It's time to share the I data. I
3: totally agree. It's completely absurd. I'm glad you came in this position. It's been our position for a long time, and I really appreciate you coming on. You also have a dynamite company just pronounced some really good numbers. I didn't want to lose don't bury that lead too much. That's Joe Chiani, Chairman and CEO of Massimo. Great job, sir. Great to have you on the show.
4: Thank you so much. Thanks for cool. having me, Jim.
3: Yeah, Bunny's back after the break. It is time! It's over the lightning round! And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, ski? Dad, over the right! Let's start with Jeff in California. Jeff! Hey, Jim Kramer, you're an absolute genius. You nah, you sound like AYX. my dad. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
4: <laughs> you raved about AYX a few months ago. You were 100% correct. It's exploding right now. I actually tripled my investment in about four weeks.
3: It's- Al- Look, Alteryx, we had them on. we were the only people who like this company, and we know what This is an amazing company. Some planning a spreadsheet. Ah. Let's go to Mike, Mike, Mike in New York. Mike! Booyah, big Jim. Booyah, I'm Chief. Giving you
1: a buzz. I'm giving you a buzz to ask you about adaptive biotechnology.
3: life science equipment. Very, very hot. But you know what? I like to more. I like thermo. T-M. Oh, Austin in New York. Austin. Hey, Jimmy, Jill. Thanks for taking my call. Oh, thank you. Appreciate the new, the, uh, new moniker. Go ahead. Uh, my question is on Discover Financial Services. My answer is no. Okay? You can have my answer now, Senator. No. Let's go to Jonathan, Nebraska. Jonathan. Hey, booyah, Jim. Booyah. Thanks for taking my call. My question is about Paycom. Oh, winner. Employee life cycle software. software. Just buy it. Uh, let's go to Juan in Nevada. Hey
2: Jim, uh, second time caller and a very okay. chill booyah to you. Thank you. Hey, my stock is iRobot.
3: No vacuum wash floors. Sell it. Let's. No. 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 I know I'm supposed to take it fast, but this is it. I'm drawing the line right now. I'm going to do it as fast as I will, which is really darn fast. Let's go to Tom Niger, Tom. Good evening, Jim, and thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. Appreciate it. I have a question. I was turned on to this stock, Amicus Therapeutics, ticker FOL. Yeah, an Amicus. It's like an Amicus brief. I gotta tell you, it's real speculative. If you want to be in it, understand. You're in for a dime. You can be in for a dollar, and that's okay with me. And that, ladies and uh, gentlemen, lightning round.
1: The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
3: After a day where the averages rebounded like crazy, I'd love to tell you we can stop worrying about this coronavirus outbreak. I'd love to tell you it's really a buying opportunity. Like Ebola in 2014, Fukushima 2011, SARS in 20- 2003, even Chernobyl in 1986, all these disasters were ultimately contained. Our milk was still good. The radioactive waves didn't rush onto Pointe du Me or Mendocino. They figured out SARS before it killed thousands of people. There were no mass uprisings or death-filled cruise ships or fatal subway cars from Ebola. Each time there was a major panic, but the panic was overdone as soon as it got out of hand. Turns out the stumbling, bumbling authorities can actually stop this kind of thing with the help of well-meaning but in-over-their-head scientists even. But there there was no Andromeda strain or contagion or super flu. There was just a very frightened population, including a special subset of frightened investors. And look, people have every right to be worried. The truth is, we don't know enough about this new epidemic. And investors are terrified of the unknown because you can't quantify something you don't understand. CMC contributor Scott Gottlieb, former head of the FDA, he may have said it best this morning. Let's play this. Well, the problem is we don't know what they're really looking at. I think the Chinese haven't been forthcoming with information, so we've been patting them on the back for being good actors in this case because they're behaving better than they did with SARS. They're still not behaving well. They've, been, they've concealed key information, including that this was spreading to healthcare workers, which they didn't admit to last week. So we don't really know the full scope of what they're facing. I, I suppose that they're facing a very large epidemic and they're taking pretty draconian measures. Some of these are not going to work. The quarantines might That's not be effective. Bad. You know, I found that very worrisome. Was it scare, scary? Well, let's just say, against that backdrop, we are hearing people speculate that maybe China doesn't have a handle on the disease at all. Maybe it'll spread as Chinese people flee all over the world. Maybe we're looking at the second coming of the Spanish flu that killed 50 to 100 million uh, in 1918. Do uh, you know I actually read that yesterday in a bearish sheet that would scare you not just out of the market, but certainly out of the country, maybe to Antarctica? I think it's wrong, but it's very easy to spread fear at times like this. Let me put it this way. Suppose I tell you to stick with history. If Chernobyl didn't get us, if SARS didn't get us, if Ebola didn't get us, if Fukushima didn't get us, then the coronavirus outbreak probably won't get us either. But what happens if an American who who hasn't been to Wuhan dies of the disease? Well, then you better believe people will go back into panic mode. The market will get hammered. I need you to be prepared for that. And that is the problem. I believe this outbreak will turn out to be only a buying opportunity eventually. Emphasis on eventually. I'm not sure we heard the last of the panic today, despite the fact that we had a really nice snapback. And yes, if you own certain stocks instead of trading them, you did well. We just have no way of knowing. And if things go badly, stocks could have a lot more downside uh, before the worst is behind us. But it will be behind us. I have no edger. I'm not an epidemiologist. Still, I refuse to pander to the panic in us at all. That's why I recommend buying shares in some high-quality companies that will do just fine, even if the coronavirus outbreak turns out to be, the, be worse than ordinary influenza, which typically puts hundreds of thousands of people in the hospital and causes tens of thousands of deaths. That's what we did yesterday for my charitable trust, which you can follow along by joining ActionLordsPlus.com. Now, uh, we did tell club members to scale in, even as we advised taking some profits today so that you would have some money on the sidelines in preparation for the next scary coronavirus headline. And there will be a next one, particularly if the, uh, let's say, the impeachment trial runs its course. At the end of the day, there are smart people working to contain this disease, and they do have powerful tools that didn't exist when the SARS epidemic hit. Think rapid gene sequencing and modern antiviral drugs. Until we know for sure, though, their attempts to get things under control will be met with skepticism and derision. And some will be by from bearish commentators who are very smart and very motivated, very motivated to scare you and to send stocks down. Unfortunately, their motivation is, you know, let's just say working uh, with their terrifying interpretation of the cold, hard facts, many of which are available, by the way, in Jimmy Chill's Twitter feed and are posted pretty regularly and are frankly very nauseating. In other words, don't panic, but do be aware that we could have another leg down if the course of this outbreak gives the hardcore pessimists more ammunition. And when I say if, I actually probably mean when. Stick with me. Today was a day where the fundamentalists, led by United Technologies, smashed the fear mentalists. Could it be the same tomorrow? Apple looked good, but we're going to quarantine China Airlines. What does that mean? Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mid Money. I'm Jim Kramer, and I will see you tomorrow.
2: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you.